great to see all of y'all this morning. Merry almost Christmas. It's crazy that today's December the 20th. Um, it feels like it just turned December the 1st, but it is Christmas week, and we're so thankful that all of you have chosen to worship with us this morning. It's encouraging to see all y'all here, and I know many of our family have already taken off to various places around the country uh, to spend time with family over holidays. Maybe you're going to be here. If you're here, we'd love to have you on Christmas Eve, and Michelle and I would love to invite you to our home. Uh, we host a dinner every Christmas Eve for those in our ICC family who are still here, and we'd love to have you. If you don't have a place to be on Christmas Eve, come at 5.30. We'll get started by 5.45, and then you could come to our house for dinner after. We would absolutely love that, but we really do uh, just pray that this Christmas week would be awesome for you and for your friends and your family. Um, I was overwhelmed this morning looking at the gifts under that tree in the lobby. Did y'all get to see it? Many of you guys put gifts under the tree. For those who have participated this season, whether you're listening online now, you're already home, or you're here in this room, um, thank y'all for just investing in others in this Christmas season. I, Christmas, the greatest joy that we have found at Christmas is, is in giving of ourselves away to others, especially those in need. And it, I don't know of a better way to really reflect the heart of God in this season. I mean, that's what Christmas is all about, is his selflessness, his humility, his choice uh, to find joy in giving of himself for us. And that really is the very heart of Christmas. It's not about what we get, but it's recognizing that it's all about what we have opportunity to give because God has given everything to us. And so uh, for these families tonight, I, I would love to see y'all back um, it's one of my favorite things to get to go and deliver gifts and to these families because they're families we know and they're with partners that we have that we work with all year long. And so this is really connected to our church and to our community. It's not just sending things away to, to people that we don't know, but it's we're going to personally deliver them and spend time with people who we do know and who have these needs. I'll be leading a group over to West Memphis. Other pastors and leaders in our church will lead groups. I think we've got five groups we need people. We love 25, 30 people here tonight. So I really would ask that you consider, even if, you know, it might be nice to be in your pajamas, cozy by the fire, watching Elf or whatever it is you you like doing uh, nights like this in the Christmas season. I would encourage you to think about investing your Sunday night a little bit differently tonight and just coming back and hanging out with these families. I promise you will go home more happy than anything you would have done otherwise. So we'd love to see it tonight. Just love our ICC family. Um, I was last night in Florida for a wedding, an ICC wedding, and a lot of our students are down there this morning because they didn't come back. I, I ragged them about it. I was like, you guys are losers. You know, I'm making it back for church. You could try to, but I understood. <laughs> but it just reminded me of how much I truly love our ICC family. Um, Trent, not Trent, Logan. Where's Logan? Trent, Trent changes mind. He's staying. Um, Logan, I just want to recognize real quick, if you'll raise your hand. Since it's a smaller group today, more family day, Logan, this uh, morning is his last morning with us at ICC. You saw Logan on the drums a bit earlier. Logan has been a part of our church family and our church life for this long last season that he's been here for school. And I think he would say he would look back now and recognize that God bringing him here has been a huge blessing. And it's been a blessing to us and for all who know Logan. Uh, his car is packed to the brim right now, and he's going to be pulling out of the parking lot um, to go back home. Uh, he'll be spending some time on another rotation, and then eventually he'll end up back home with his dad and his dad's practice 
But um, I just want to tell you, Logan, how much we love you and how much a part of our family you've been, how thankful we are for you, buddy, and how much we're praying for you as you move into this next season. And we're going to maybe start ICC North Carolina. That'd be awesome, right? Um, you can help start our first satellite church there in North Carolina. But um, anyway, y'all want to make sure to, to say hey to Logan. But last night I was reminded again, all these ICCers I hadn't seen in a while, just how good it is to have a church that's truly our family and our friends and to have a body that, that loves God and loves us uh, to worship with and to do life with and to serve with here in our community and around the world. So just glad that y'all are part and Merry Almost Christmas. Let me pray as we open our time in the Word together. Lord, we do thank you for this day of worship. And God, um, we come to you recognizing that worship is really only possible because of what you have done for us in your son, Jesus. Lord, we come to you not to bring you something, not to try to do something to impress you or do something to get something from you. Lord, we know that our only hope is that you love us. The good news that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Whosoever might believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. We thank you, Lord. When we come to you this morning, we know that you have a heart of love for us. For every person here at this very moment, you love us. You care about us. You know us completely. And you know that our greatest need is to have a relationship with you. To live life with you. That's the way you created us. It's the design that you have for us, Lord. We are to live in relationship with you life just doesn't make sense. It just is not complete. It's not totally fulfilling where we cannot find all that we need in anywhere else but you. And so, Lord, we just thank you today for your gift of love, especially this gift of love at Christmas. We thank you that Jesus came to live so that we could have life, to die for forgiveness of our sins, to put away our sin, to conquer death and the enemy, and to rise again three days later that He might provide new life, everlasting life, life that would never end, life to the full for all those who trust in you. So, Lord, we just pray this morning that once again you would stir our affection for you, as we just sang, Lord, that that would be true in our hearts, that, Holy Spirit, you would be welcome in our hearts and that you would speak through your living word to stir our affection for you and our devotion to you. That, Lord, we would truly be deeply in our hearts amazed, worshipful, fact that you came for us, that you've done for us everything needed, that we would have life, forgiveness of sins, and relationship with you. We thank you for the gift of Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. Well, we are in the middle of the second week. I told you all in these weeks leading up to Christmas and also next Sunday right after Christmas, focusing on a series called Creatively Named Christmas. Aren't we so good? You know, we were like, why not? just call it Christmas. It's what it is. But really our heart, my heart, um, in this, in these few weeks together, in our brief times together, just to remind us of what Christmas is all about. I know personally, I think I said this briefly last week, but for those who weren't here, you know, we get so called up in a lot of the, the good things of Christmas that get thrown at us, buying gifts and receiving gifts and going to parties and doing all the, the normal Christmas things and activities. But as people who love Jesus and are following Jesus, we've got to intentionally work. I really feel like you kind of have to fight against the, the currents of the more secular 
things that go on with Christmas to really keep your heart focused on Jesus and the real reason for Christmas, which is Christ given for us. And my heart really has been in these weeks just to kind of remind us, um, continually point us back to the, the real heart of why this season is so wonderful and so special. It really is an amazing, amazing time of year. But my hope is that on Christmas morning that you would wake up and not first think about that thing that you might get or be able to give, but you might first think about how amazing is it that God gave himself for us at Christmas? Because ultimately that is the the truest, deepest meaning of that day. So that's really where this series has been aimed. And I told you kind of the perspective that we've been taking is to, similar to what we did in Easter, this past Easter, is to try to introduce you to people who actually met Jesus as a child. And for you to kind of see the Christmas story, maybe through a different lens. Sometimes we hear the story so much, we put out the nativity scenes, we get it really familiar to it, and it can become kind of monotonous. And we can lose the the real wonder of it. But to see it from a different lens of those who are actually part of the story, and to go through some, some real significance of Christ's birth through the lens of these people. I thought about, you know, the Easter series was called Encounter the Living Jesus. I thought about calling this one Encounter the Baby Jesus. But then I was like, that's kind of awkward, like Encounter the Baby Jesus. So anyway, we just start with Christmas. Um, but that's really what the art was, is to try to help us see through a firsthand perspective what it was like to really encounter Christ and to see the significance of his coming. So today, we're going to continue with that. Last week, we talked about um, Simeon and Anna, if you remember, and we talked about hope. And today, we're going to move on and look at Joseph. If you've got your Bibles, you can open them to Matthew chapter 1. And we're going to look today through the lens of Joseph. If you don't have your Bibles, it's totally cool. You're welcome to Google or find it on an app, Matthew chapter 1, or it also should be on the screens. Joseph, um, as you're turning, honestly, is one of the least celebrated figures in the nativity. Poor Joseph. I, I kind of feel bad for the guy sometimes. I'm guilty of this too. And like putting out the nativity, he's kind of like overlooked. He doesn't get a lot of attention, you know? He's just kind of standing there. And the Christmas plays, like with kids, if you ever saw the Christmas story, the Christmas pageants, you know, with little kids playing it out. He's usually the guy, like, wearing his daddy's bathrobe, right? You know what I'm talking about? It's like tattered and torn, and he kind of just walks in with the sheep and donkeys, and he just stands there the entire time, you know? That's Joseph. He's, he, he just, I mean, honestly, tell me whether I'm true or not. He kind of gets overlooked. Yes or no? Yeah? Mary gets a lot of attention. And women should get a lot of attention for birth of babies. It is awesome. Women are amazing. We have a little girl now. And thank you, Lord, for Michelle. That's all I got to say. I did very little role. I stood there. You don't want to know all the details. But I, I held her hand and said, way to go, baby. Way to go. You're amazing. I love you. Like, thank you. Um, it's one of the most helpless feelings as a dad because you, you really don't have much to contribute other than your encouragement. Um, so there is a reason that women get a lot of attention and support with having children. But at the same time, it, it is interesting that Joseph kind of gets overlooked. Um, and one of the very interesting things, if you think about it, you may not know this, but as I was looking into this, Joseph does not have any words 
in the scriptures. There are no recorded words of Joseph in the gospels. And I find that really interesting. A lot of you think, well, wait a second. That's not true. Because what you're in your mind, you're thinking, like we put words into his mouth sometimes. And sometimes in the Christmas plays, we write words for, for the little guy in, the, in his dad's bathrobe to say, right? Um, like, can we have a room in the inn, right? You, you imagine these encounters with the angel or with the innkeeper or with Mary, or you imagine these encounters as we know that he was there um, in the temple that day or in the temple as Jesus got older, you know, and all the trouble there when he was 12 and was, you know, kind of challenging the, the authority of those who are in the temple. So you, you see him in different scenes, but you never really hear from him. There's no words that are recorded that come out of his mouth. Of course, we know he talks, but it's just interesting. And it's very likely that Joseph, you know, he's a carpenter. We know that. He's a humble man. We know that. He's a godly man. We know that because of the Lord's choice and words that are recorded here in Scripture. And he loves working with his hands. He's just a just an ordinary dude, kind of a blue-collar guy. Just He loves working with his hands. He loves building and creating. We don't know if it was wood or with stone, but we know that he was good like that, and he raised Jesus up. Jesus was his apprentice, and we know that Joseph somehow kind of disappears midway through Christ's life. It's probably because he died, and I say that because if you look at the end of the Gospels, you really don't see Joseph around anymore. He's mentioned in the early part of his life, but as you get into the fulfillment of Christ's ministry in his 30s, and then as he leads into his death, the only mention is of Mary and Jesus' siblings. But yet, Joseph has a really important role in all of this. And I think a lesson for us, because Joseph was one of these characters that did come into personal contact with Christ there at his birth. And that birth took on great significance for Joseph in a really unique way. And I think it really helps us to see the Christmas story and the significance of Christ's birth uniquely and personally today. So I want to read Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18 through verse 25. God's word says this, and I'm going to do much like last week, just to warn you, we're going to talk and then we're going to stop, okay? I'm going to read and then we're going to stop because it's written in narrative and I think it warrants explanation. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Stop right there. What we know about as the Christmas narrative opens, and Matthew very clearly comes out and says, here it is. You want to know the story about how Jesus was born? Let me tell it to you. Here it starts with a guy named Joseph and a girl named Mary. And these two were engaged. It used the word betrothed. And the reason it uses that word because in their day, engagements were a lot more serious. It was really binding. And so to call off an engagement, you actually would have to go through a process of divorce, similar to what you would go through in marriage. So betrothal was very, very serious. And it was, like I said, binding. Like you had to fulfill it or else you would be considered a man, not of your word. And so you can imagine just the feelings of joy. Any couple, when they get engaged, it's so much fun. I was at that wedding last night. 
it is just, you know, for couples like that, it's, it is a wonderful season. And I know there are some exceptions to that, and there's some heartbreak in some of our histories and some of our past related to engagement. And I don't mean to trivialize that or minimize that in any way. Um, but for, for most couples, that season of preparation leading up to marriage is just an awesome season. And you can imagine the dude, he's like, I already got it all figured out. I mean, pretty much by the time the guy buys the ring, that's the last decision he ever is going to make in his life. Amen. Somebody said amen. I'm just messing around. I'm just joking. But seriously, you can imagine he's, he's got that feeling of like, I've got this figured out, you know? I've got it figured out. I've, I've talked to her parents. I've made the arrangements. I've, I've done what I needed to do to show the commitment. And now we're going to get married. And it's going to be awesome. And he, you can imagine, you know, he's waiting on the wedding day. And they're going about their normal life and um, preparations. And he's getting the home ready. And he's making sure his work is lined up, stacked up, so he can show her dad that he's a provider and faithful man who will take care of her. You can imagine all of these things in a normal season of engagement, right? But then something happens. And it's, it's really unusual because it says here, here they had been, Mary had been betrothed to Joseph and before they came together, this is Bible code words for before they had normal marital sexual relationship. Before they came together. In other words, they were living purely, separately, godly lives before they were married and before they had ever had marital relations. What happens? Mary, it says, was found to be with child, verse 18, from the Holy Spirit. Now we know from a later encounter, we're actually going to look at Mary next, actually this Christmas Eve. If you're here Christmas Eve night, I hope you will be, we'll look at Mary. But what we realize is that Mary realizes that she has been given the Son of God. In a visitation from God through the angel, we realize that Mary is pregnant. She's not pregnant because she's been unfaithful to Joseph. She's pregnant because God has given her a son. The virgin birth is so critically important. It was prophesied. It's absolutely important so that God can be both God and man in the flesh. It's a whole other conversation for later. There's a podcast that's available online. I talked on this for like three hours the other, two months ago um, to the group, downline group, and went into it in extensive detail about the virgin birth. You could look at it later. But the reality is that Mary is now pregnant. And you can imagine, just imagine what she's thinking. I mean, here she is engaged, and she finds out she's pregnant. She's overjoyed for what this means of the Lord, what this means for the world. She, she's very much of faith in believing that this is the promised one who would bring people back to God. But imagine what she's thinking about. How in the world am I going to tell Joseph? Pregnant. What's he going to think? What's he going to do? Is he going to believe this too? Is he really going to believe this story? What's going to happen, right? I mean, you can just imagine. Then it says here in verse 19, 
that Joseph finds out. It says, And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. You can imagine the conversation. We don't know it, but you can just imagine it. Joseph had not been having relations with Mary, which I believe the word of God is true. What you know about him is his response is probably, you're what? What? How could you have done this to me? Who? How? Why? When? Where? What? I mean, any... I mean, come on, guys, right? I'm just interjecting a little bit of human understanding of this story. Imagine this encounter. And Joseph, seeing this woman he loves, betray him, maybe, he thought, be unfaithful to him. His, the plans that he had for this beautiful marriage and this wonderful start of a family and this perfect life, like, Completely crushed before his eyes. Some of us have been in that very place in life where suddenly something takes a turn and things don't turn out quite like what you thought they were going to turn out to be. News comes that's hard or confusing or frustrating, perplexing. Maybe, just maybe, he's devastated and it seems that he is. It seems that maybe he couldn't buy her story. I mean, there's real humanity going on here, guys, all right? He's, he's a real dude like us, and he's starting to think, I don't know if this is true, this whole virgin birth thing, which some of us maybe in the room doubt that too. You know, that's, that, that's a stretch. You've got to really trust God or believe the Lord for something that you cannot see or doesn't really make sense in terms of natural terms or or human understanding. I don't know about this whole thing. I mean, was it common in the day for virgins to get pregnant? I don't think it was. I don't think it is today. I think it's only happened once. <laughs> so you can imagine, what? You you mean to tell me, oh yeah, yeah, you mean to tell me that? Okay, so you were pregnant without having a relationship with any other guy. Okay, imagine and it says here the reason I'm saying that that's probably his response is because here in verse 19 we see that it says being a just man but you know that he's godly we know that he's righteous it says here he is just and it says that he's unwilling to put her to shame in other words he's not doing what many would choose to do which is try to take revenge or make it some big public scandal or, or absolutely shame her or just blow up and make it this huge ordeal. No, he's doing it in a way that I believe is right for at least the information he knows right now. He's saying, you know, I still love her. I still respect her. I still want the best for her. So quietly, without bringing this to the public limelight, quietly, I'm going to call it off. It says here, he resolved 
You can imagine the sleepless nights. You can imagine the unending thoughts, the mind racing. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What should I do? How's this going to turn out? But it says here that he made a decision. And the decision was that he was going to end the engagement. That's why it says divorce her. You might be confused, but like I said earlier, it was such that he did have to actually cut it off in a formal way. He says he's going to call off their marriage. But he's going to do it in a way that's quiet. Often um, in our lives, you could probably attest to this too. Um, When things go differently than you expect. Sometimes you make decisions that aren't necessarily the best decisions. (laughs) We got to be careful about how we react to twists and turns in our lives, to things that end up going differently than our plans. You got to be careful. And Joseph here was on the verge of really screwing things up. (laughs) But he had made a decision. But he made a decision based on the assumption of his own understanding. But we know from Proverbs 3, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him, right? And he will direct your path. But in Joseph's own understanding, he couldn't figure it out any other way than what he thought would happen in the flesh. Mary had a relationship with another man, So he had to divorce him. But thankfully, the story doesn't end there. Verse 20 goes on. And it says, But as he considered these things, behold, in other words, in the Greek, it literally means, Whoa. That's the word there, behold. Wow. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, 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 son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people. From their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Verse 24 says this When Joseph woke from sleep, he did. As the angel of the Lord commanded him, he took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. How amazing is the rest of the story? (laughs) So here a guy is. Thinking that his fiance has betrayed him, been unfaithful to him, pregnant by another man, resolves, makes a decision, I'm going to divorce her quietly. I'm going to cut it off and walk away in a way that would still honor and respect her. And then all of a sudden, it says, as he was still considering these things, which meant 
He's still tossing and turning in his bed every night. Anybody ever made a decision and then you still, after you make it, you, you have that buyer's remorse kind of feeling where you're going, oh no, did I make the right decision? Anybody ever had that moment? Oh God, could you please tell me? I don't even know. I don't know if this is the right decision or not. I've made a decision now. I don't know if it's right. What if I should have done the other thing? And you chase, you call them like thought bunnies, you know, you just chase them down the little trails. And you just go and go. And you find yourself two, three in the morning, and you're still up thinking about all the possibilities of what would have been if you had made a different decision. Well, it says, as he was doing that, who shows up? An angel. God sends a messenger. Just like he did to Mary. How good is God? (laughs) To step in when we need him the most, to help us to know his heart, help us to know his way, and to follow him. God shows up and he says, Joseph, (laughs) Joseph, believe Mary. The woman you love is still the woman you love. (laughs) The woman who committed herself to you is still the woman who committed herself to you. Trust her. She's been faithful to you. She hasn't been running around. Trust her. She's telling you the truth. God is doing something great through you. You're the son of David, Joseph. You're the son of David. The Messiah has been promised to come as an heir of David. David's throne. Joseph, I know that you may not totally understand it here. I know that this may seem way bigger than you ever expected for your life. Different than what you planned. But Joseph, you are the one that God has chosen to be the father of Jesus. Jesus, the promised Messiah. The one who God has been promising to save your people and to save the world from their sins. The one who will come to be a light in the darkness. The one who will come to give life from death. The one who will forgive people of their sins. The one who will bring people, bring you back to God. David, the time has come. God is moving into human history right now at this moment. Don't you see, Joseph? Don't you see, Joseph? God is bringing forth his own son. And he's doing it through you. And he's doing it through Mary. You see, Mary is with child. She is, she's pregnant, she's telling you the truth, and she's also telling you the truth that this child is a gift of God. God has put this child there. No man has had doing with this. This is God's child. She has been conceived as a gift of the Holy Spirit. Supernaturally, she will have a son. And this son will not be any ordinary son. He will be Emmanuel. God in flesh. God with us. Joseph, don't leave Mary. Stick with her. Know this is different than what you thought, Joseph. But this is what God is doing. 
trust God. Follow God. This is your moment, Joseph. Trust and follow the heart and the way of God. And you will see, you will see a son come forth from Mary's womb. It will be God's son. And you'll call him Jesus. For he will save God's people from their sins and bring them back to God. Imagine that. <laughs> I can't even imagine. The closest thing I've had to an angel in my room is like Celine Dion singing me to sleep, you know? If you know me, you know I love Celine Dion. She is my, my angel. Um, it, you can laugh. It was meant to be funny, okay? Um, I can't imagine a real angel like showing up. But what we know is in a dream, God really did show up to Joseph. And God still shows up to people all the time. I was talking to somebody uh, just a few weeks back who, with tears running down their face, was talking to me how God had spoken to them in a personal and real way, given them insight and understanding about something they should do. God still, God's alive, and God still speaks to his people. I'm not, I'm not one who puts God in a box. Listen, I believe God speaks in crazy ways. And I'm not telling you tonight that you should pray for an angel to show up to your room, all right? But what I am saying is that you can expect that if you want to hear the voice of God, and if you're a child of God, that God will speak to you. You should expect that God will speak to you to guide you and to help you and to lead you and to protect you from evil and, and disobedience. God will speak to you. He will. He leads his children. Here he is leading Joseph. And imagine what it took for Joseph to say yes. <laughs> What we see here is in verse 24. It says, Joseph woke up from sleep. And what did he do? Here Joseph has another decision to make. You know, when God shows up into the scene and helps you know what to do, he still gives you a choice, doesn't he? How many times in our lives do we hear God's voice and still don't do it? <laughs> yeah, there, there are many times in my life that I can tell you stories about that. So it's not a given here at this moment that Joseph is going to walk in the right way. But what do we see happen? It says that Joseph, when he woke up from his sleep, says he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. And instead of putting Mary away and cutting off their engagement, cutting off their marriage, what did he do? He took Mary as his wife. And it says that he didn't know her. He didn't have a relationship with her. Marital, normal marital relationship, he saved that for marriage. And he didn't know her. He continued as he was headed before to marry the love of his life, to continue walking after God. It says eventually he gave birth to their son. His name was Jesus. It's amazing faith to me. That's the theme of today, faith. Last week we talked about hope. And today we're talking about faith. It's amazing faith to me that Joseph had. I don't know about you, but in, there have been so many times in my life, moving to Memphis was one of them. 
it was hard for me to move to Memphis. I actually believed that Memphis was not what God wanted me to do. When I was engaged to, or about to be engaged to Michelle, I remember, this says nothing about me. It says more about Michelle than it does about me, okay? So this story does not make Barrett look great. Just telling you that in case anybody thinks the wrong thing. I really thought about not proposing to Michelle. She knows this to this day. And the reason was because I found out she wanted to do med school. She started pursuing med school. And I had a neat little plan. If you know anything about me, I like planning. And I have neat little plans for my life. And I want my plans to go a certain way. And I want everybody else to contribute to my plan. Now, if you come in and start interrupting my plan, I don't like you very much. If you give me advice or counsel that I should change my plans, I don't like to hear you very much. It doesn't mean that my plans are right. It just means how stubborn I am and how strong-willed I am and prideful I am sometimes to plan like that. But I thought, no, there's no way. You know, I, seven, she told me, I thought, okay, maybe three years. She said, no, it'll be four years. And then there'll be a three-year residency after that. Seven years for crying out loud. I love you, but no, seriously, this is how prideful I was. Seven years? No, I mean, babe. She's like, God's calling me to this. I'm like, babe, there's no way. There's absolutely no way. Because, see, God's calling me to this other thing. And I already have a good marketing job. I was downtown Atlanta. I've got a place. I know our, my family's here. I've already got my life kind of mapped out here in Georgia. So you'll come, you know, we'll do this here. And med school, you know. You could just enjoy what I do and stay at home for the rest, you know, that kind of thing. That didn't go so well with my wife. If you know Michelle, that was a strikeout. Mm. But it seriously was one of those moments that I was like, I don't know what's like, this ain't right. This ain't going, this is not going according to my plan. And I really wrestled with it. I wrestled with God about it, especially when we found out we're coming to Memphis. I didn't want to come to this place. All I knew about Memphis was hide your kids, hide your wife. It was a scary, scary place for me, right? In Georgia, people don't dream about moving to Memphis. Okay? I'm just saying. And I love this city now, but at the time, all I knew, it was like the armpit of Tennessee. That's what, that's kind of what it was referred to. Y'all laugh, but you know that. Some of y'all know this. You had similar thoughts. Memphis, you know, God. And we had an application into Emory. Lord, please, please help her to get into such a fine and reputable university. Help her to let us stay in this nice... I mean, I could live with it, Lord, if we got to stay in this wonderful city of Atlanta and all these things. And sure enough, here is where we got it. The decision was on the table. Are you going to move forward with it or not? And I got to tell you, I moved forward with it, but I didn't do so with a lot of joy. And she'll tell you this to this day. I was a grouchy pants. I was like grumpy old men, real life version. My first six months here were miserable. I did not enjoy it at all. And in many ways, I I relate to Joseph in a lot of ways in that I was frustrated. Things didn't go the way I thought. What she was telling me, I was questioning. And I just wasn't sure. I just wasn't sure if this was actually what I was supposed to be doing. But I realized over time that my problem was not with Michelle. My problem was with God. And the one that I was wrestling with was not my fiance for moving me to Memphis and for actually following God in her heart. I know to, at this moment, now looking back on it, she knew God was calling her to med school. 
She was obedient to the Lord. She was pure in her heart following God. She knew that Memphis was where we were supposed to be. And she was patient with me. Let me tell you. Because I didn't make it very fun for her. I made her feel guilty. I made her feel bad. I was frustrated. had a bad attitude for a long time of that season that we were here. In a lot of ways, I relate to Joseph. And in a lot of ways, I can tell you too that God is a faithful and gracious God. To help us in our times of doubt and disobedience and turning around to walk the other way, he shows up and he helped me to see, much like Joseph, that this is in fact where we were supposed to be. And it was a long process of me letting go of the reins and accepting and embracing God's plan because it was different than Barrett's plan. But ultimately, God came on the scene with Joseph like he did with me and said, you know what, Joseph, this is not about you. This is about me. This is not about what you... The nice little thing that you have figured out, this is about my faithfulness, my grace, my plan, my gift of Jesus. I am doing something great, Joseph, and I want to do it through your life. And the question is, Joseph, will you let me? Will you believe me? Will you see this amazing gift that I'm giving to the world in Christ? He will be the one who you, Joseph, even you, Your son will be the one who provides the forgiveness of your sins. Life everlasting. He will be the one that forever stands between a sinful, disobedient people and a holy, loving God. He will be the one. So Joseph, will you trust me? Will you believe me? Will you see Jesus for who he is? Will you see my faithfulness? Will you say yes? Imagine the faith that it took. Imagine what the people would have said about Mary and Joseph. Oh, she's pregnant. Uh-huh. They say they don't have, they haven't had a relationship, but everybody knows the truth. They're going down to, they're going down to Bethlehem. They're getting away to hide this baby. You can imagine the old, you can imagine the old hags talking about them. I'm serious. There are people today. There are people today who in my life have been antagonistic and pessimistic toward me following God at every step of the way. There are people who don't understand why a guy like me who was on the upward ladder for for a marketing career would leave everything and say yes to ministry or move to Memphis, which is less desirable than a place like Atlanta. There are people that say that kind of thing. And my story is just pales in comparison to this. There are people who I'm sure would have doubted them, questioned them, been confused by them. He would have talked bad about them. And the question is, will you continue in obedience? And Joseph and Mary did. They did. And they got married and they didn't have a relationship. They stayed pure to God. They stayed trusting him and they followed his plan until the day that Jesus was born. And I praise God for Joseph and Mary. They're not the heroes of the story. Yes, they take the backseat often. The hero is Jesus, but I do praise God for them too because the Lord used them and their faith and their willingness to trust and follow God to bring this wonderful gift into the world. Amen? Then there that night, like the night that we saw Caroline born, they heard that first cry. And I'm sure tears, even though Joseph, not the humanly father, but truly his father here on earth, I can imagine the tears running down both of their faces, the fulfillment of the promise. And here they look in the face of their child. God's child. God's beloved son. Will you 
loves, given for you and me and all who believe because he loves us too. And it says here in verse 25 that Joseph did as the angel instructed. It was the dad's right to name the child. The child came. save God's people from their sins. You will be the Savior. You're the one. The promised one. Oh, little child. I love you. God loves you. You're here. Jesus will forgive the sins of all who believe. What a gift at Christmas. Amen? What a gift hope today that through the eyes of Joseph you've seen as Robbie comes and we close out our time together that you've seen the in a new way the wonder of this gift of Jesus the rest of his life growing up as a child as a young man as an adult Jesus would prove that everything that was prophesied about him, everything that was promised to Mary and Joseph about him would absolutely be true. He is the one who will bring us back to God. He's wonderful in every way. He is God with us. From his fullness, the scripture says, we have all received grace upon grace. If it were not for Jesus, you and I would have no hope. If it were not for Jesus, there would be no promises that we could believe in. If it were not for Jesus, there would be no forgiveness of your sins. You would be left in them forever. If it were not for Jesus, there would be no life everlasting. If it were not for Jesus, there would be no gift of righteousness, no gift of right standing with God. If it were not for Jesus, there would be nothing after death. If it were not for Jesus, you would not have relationship with God, which I believe for most in this room is everything. But we know Jesus came. That God is faithful to his promises and he did bring forth a son in a miraculous way, in a mighty way, Jesus was born. Savior to all who believe. I'm so thankful for Jesus. I'm so thankful for him. He's everything to me. I'm so thankful for his love, for giving of himself on the cross for my forgiveness for going to the grave with my sin and death and to rising again. So thankfully he lives today and he offers me life. Joseph realized it's not about what we think, how we can figure things out, what we can plan, what we can do. It's about trusting a faithful God, a promise-keeping God to do what he can do for us question is, like Joseph, you've got to wrestle with this. Will you stick to what you can figure out, what you can think for your own life? Or will you trust God and what God is doing, what God has done and still will do? It's not about you. It's about God. He is faithful to every word. And he calls us again this Christmas to 
Trust him. Faith. Faith. Believing what we cannot see. Believing it to be true. Believing that God is a rewarder of those who wait upon him, who seek him, who trust him. Come again to Christ this Christmas. Remember the wonderful gift that he is. And like Joseph, I pray that you will find in your heart heart of trust, faith, surrender to the way, Savior of God. His name is Jesus. We pray. Lord, we thank you for this time of worship, this time together. We just pray, Lord, today that we could have faith again. Lord, I pray for every person here. All of us right now are in a moment where you are calling us trust you in a new way in this Christmas season to have faith in Jesus and in your salvation, your hope, your life and our lives. Lord, I pray that all of us would recognize that we need to trust you, Father. And I pray that all of us would come to Christ this Christmas for life. Lord, I pray for those here who are maybe in similar situations to Joseph. It's something going on in their life, a decision that needs to be made, a plan that has gone wrong, something that feels broken or out of place. And Lord, they're frustrated by it. They're trying to figure it out. It doesn't make sense to them. Lord, I pray that you would remind them and minister to them right now in this season of their lives too. That just like Joseph, Lord, that you would show up to them and remind them that they can't trust you. That you are doing something, even with things that they cannot see, that you are working on their behalf. Lord, I pray that we would just remember that you are a faithful God. That we would give ourselves to you.